He has his own podcast. What is it, y'all? Get my shit together. Welcome to the Getting My Act Together podcast for Tuesday, the third day of May 2022. I hope your week is off to a great start, and I'm glad you're here listening to me talk my goddamn... It's not all nonsense. <laughs> it's not all nonsensical. Listen, thank you for listening to this podcast and telling other people about it. You know that today, or yesterday actually, I posted a TikTok. I got my, check out my TikTok. Why don't you go check out my TikTok, which I hadn't done for some time because I'm a busy man, man, and it takes me a minute to appropriately put the captions on there. It's just a, sometimes I don't, it just takes a little bit. So I finally posted one. If you want to see me do six minutes of crowd work when I bailed on a bit and just started talking to the audience, you can see my latest TikTok. And I'd like to point out here, other comics, this is organic crowd work, okay? The purest. <laughs> it's like extra virgin. It's like untouched, organic, spontaneous, out of thin air crowd work, okay? And I say that because I heard some comics disparaging crowd work the other night, uh, probably just because they don't do it or they don't have the, uh, I don't know, they were just, they weren't disparaging it, but you know. Some comics dis speak ill of crowd work because it can be used if you don't have material, right? And I get that. I, I, but what I think is crowd work, and if you're not a comic, that is the act of engaging the audience, talking to them, maybe asking them a couple questions, and then developing a riff narrative uh, whole event happening in the room spontaneously. But what these comics and and I get this, but they didn't. They were not fond of like they, they were saying like I don't give a shit what you do for work or something like that, and you know or how long y'all been married that sort of thing. Because usually I guess the thinking is if you're asking someone those kind of pointed questions, you're you as a performer know where the answer might go and you're going to have a few things ready to discuss, joke, riff about related to whatever their answer might be. Does that mean, is that evil? No, it's just all, you know, comics <laughs> being self-righteous and subjective assholes, which is what makes us great and makes us more fun than your friends to hang around with at the goddamn dinner party sit there and talking about the Ukraine and the Supreme Court overturning Roe versus Wade. Nobody wants to hear from you. They want to hear from your friend, not you, your, your friends. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? Comics are self-righteous and subjective pricks. So if I haven't made it clear, some comics, let's start at the top of the, as I heard Paul Allender say in a joke, the demand funnel, I think it's called. Let's start at the very top of the pyramid. Some people, some comics, don't like crowd work because to them it represents a lack of material, a lack of commitment, discipline to the craft of writing jokes and creating material. And I get that. Other comics don't necessarily take such a strong perspective or strong view on it. They think, or they rightly, honestly believe, they just don't care about what the audience has to say. And maybe you're just satisfied with the audience 
communicating with its laughter. That makes sense. Like the audience is going to tell you who they are based on what they laugh at. But so so that but you might be able to find out a whole lot more if you go into the crowd, as we say, and talk to them a little bit. So those comics, that second tier that I was talking about, that you know, just like I, I don't really care what the person does for work. I just want to come out and say what I think and what I feel. I get that too. I belong to a third camp, banging camp, according to the Hold Steady song. I belong to a third camp in which I think, and again, I'm self-righteous, subjective prick, just like the rest of us, where I think crowd work is a a tool you should have in your bag. N- no pun intended. It just landed on one of the great crowd working comics in the world is named Ian Bag. And I've never watched an entire set of his but i'm pretty sure he can just go up and say what do you do and then it's no breathers for an hour and a half i think that crowd work the ability to talk to the crowd and to get spontaneously create humorous moments from the crowd is a tool that comics should have in their bag again some people are like I don't give a shit, and and that's not the way it should be. You should go out and tell your jokes. Okay, you self-righteous prick. And someone else is like, yeah, I don't care what they think. Okay, you self-righteous prick. I belong to the third camp where, A, I think it's a tool you should have. Just like, you know, maybe a, uh, you should have a sex joke. You should have a joke about, uh, you you should have a joke about the, the world in which we live, right? Something that reflects the times. You should be commenting on the times. You should be able to uh, be able to roast somebody. You should be able to uh, have a self-deprecating bit. You should, you know, just like different tools that you have to deploy to maximize the amount of fucking laughter. That is the goal. The laughter. Well, I also want to make a point. That's great. But my daughter and I are enunciating words, like enunciating words. Tonight I was like, she's like, bwed. I'm like, what's bwed? And then she, I'd say, say it's, I'd say it's brr, and she go, no, no, it's bwed. And then she go, it's not brred, okay. But that should be the goal. To my self-righteous, subjective perspective, laughter, 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 laughter. People falling out, people cracking up, people having residual grins on their face when they see you when you see them after the show and and they they see your face and all of a sudden they're like reminded of the experience with you when you get their endorphins firing in their brain and they feel like they just hit their hand with a they hit they hit their hand with a hammer like five minutes ago and now it has that soft warm glow that's you how you want people to feel i think when you're done you want to fucking destroy. I, I, that's what I want to do. Yes, you can make a point and all those other things, but l- laughter is what the objective is. That's why it's called comedy. Anyway, I think that crowd work is a tool you should have to maximize that for the audience. The other thing that I lo- love about crowd work is... Stand-up already is can be stressful enough where you're up there trying to, as uh, I think Paul Provenza said in that documentary, this is 
This is stand-up. What's it, what's it called? I Am Comic. It's called I Am Comic. It's a great documentary about stand-up. It's called I Am Comic. And in there, I think Paul Provenza says, you're asking a group of strangers to simultaneously have an uncontrollable reaction to something you say. Something along those lines. You're asking a group of strangers to spontaneously have a physical reaction to something you said. That's pretty heavy and pretty awesome if you can do that. I Am Comic is the name of the documentary. I Am Road Comic is also a good one too. So that's what you're trying to do. And when you're talking to a room full of people, there is risk in that proposition that is not going to go your way and they might not laugh and that is called bombing (laughs) and as you've heard me say bombing is one of the most honest and pure forms of rejection you can experience I have to go back more than 25 years probably to identify a time in which someone really broke my heart which which probably happened like one and a half times maybe maybe three times in my life that I have my just gut punched heartbroken by a young fella by a is that homophobic homophobic by a girl a young woman a girl a girl maybe a girl and a young woman two different occasions let's count them one is one and a half but that feeling of just worthlessness and and sadness and ache is what bombing feels like times and here's the math multiplied by how many ever people are in the room which is why i've said it feels like everyone who bombing feels like everyone who ever broke up with you and shattered your soul really broke your heart they all got together in a room and looked up at you and are like, yeah, we totally made the right decision. And then they all, these people who you loved and the the sun rose and set with them, you thought they, whatever that expression is, they hung the moon. They all start having sex with each other in front of you and looking up with you and saying, this is the best I've ever felt. Miss me with those bomb-ass, weak fucking jokes. That's what bombing feels like. It's terrible. It's 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 awesome for development, right? <laughs> so it's getting hit by a car. That also makes you look both ways the next time you step into the street. Bombing sucks. And the more you do it, the better you get. The better you get at bombing and the more comfortable you get with bombing and the closer you get to fearlessness because you've already experienced the worst that can happen. You've seen every your girlfriend or boyfriend or whoever it is that you're in love with that broke your heart having sex and enjoying themselves 10 million times more than they would with you. You've seen that. What the fuck do you have to lose? You're Chappelle after the show. You come back with nothing to lose and you can speak freely. And you're, that's why it's, it gets harder and harder to bomb the more you bomb. If you've ever had a good set, I should say. Because, <laughs> well, even if you're not, if you're starting out as a comic, 
and you bomb, 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 you're probably not enjoying, you're not enjoying it, but you're getting better. <coughs> you're getting better. Like I said, you should be learning how to look both ways. Go home and write a better joke, that sort of thing. Yeah, the more you bomb. Anyway, there's already risk in stand-up that you could bomb. And it could go sideways and you could have that feeling. It also really fucking sucks when you're on a lineup with good comics and, or comics that you respect and you eat it and you didn't... There's You can bomb if you're being brave. You can bomb bravely and shoot big shots and stand in it and own it and all that. But it's still a bomb. Comics will respect that. Comics won't respect if you just bomb. Then they're like... Unless they're your friends, then they can't get enough of it. <laughs> but if they're not, if you know that you're on a lineup with good comics, especially people that don't know you that well, maybe from different cities, that kind of thing, and you bomb, it's just like, uh, you know, avoiding eye contact. No, nobody says shit. And you know what? Maybe I've said this on this because it's a thing of my, maybe I've said it across the years on the podcast because it is something I feel strongly about. If you bomb and you're in a good mood after. You shouldn't fucking be doing stand-up. I really believe that. And there are a couple people I see that bomb and are like, hey, I'm going to the bar. Anybody need anything? It's like, dude, go home and want to at least blow your brains out. Nobody likes the quarterback who throws an interception and then is sitting on the sideline fucking laughing and talking about what he's doing after the game. Okay? All right. <laughs> so it's already risky enough sorry I, I i'm gonna lord i, I said i was gonna talk about that i say i was gonna talk about limerick anyway i haven't even talked about i haven't talked about anything yet it's a show about nothing and it doesn't have any black people on it what is the deal with jerry and larry well larry made up i guess by putting leon and uh and uh, Vivica Fox on Curb Your Enthusiasm. So all squared for Jerry Seinfeld, I guess. Anyway, there is the risk of bombing that stand-up has. With your great, well-crafted jokes that you know how to tell and you're going to put forth and stand in and have conviction and all that, it can go off the rails. Crowd work ratchets that up a degree or... 60 because if there's no safety net with stand-up unless you think you have the most killer joke or the killer out and you can't bomb you're full of shit i mean you, you, everybody can bomb i i've seen great comics bomb i've seen uh, like legendary comics bomb but usually they're bombing because they're trying right Anyway, you if you you don't really have a safety net as a comic. I mean, you're bombing and it's and it's over and you, you can't get out of it, you're just gonna go down in flames. But if you start doing crowd work, if you go into the crowd, then there is no net at all. So I love the risk associated with that, but more than that, I love the payoff. I love the I guess reward is what we're talking about. The potential for it going right. Because the audience 
keen observers, wise judges of the action they're observing, can tell if this is a joke. This is something he has said to other people. This is something he has rehearsed, practiced, and put forth to other people just like me. And therefore, I'm laughing, but I'm not that special because somebody else has experienced the joke. And these other people are experiencing the joke just as I am. But when there is crowd work or a riff that the that you can tell all of a sudden the comic is just just thinking of in the moment but really it's the crowd work when the crowd has been engaged the wise crowd can the wise audience knows this is happening live that's why stand up is always you heard me say it's like ice hockey it's always better when you're in the room and you're in the arena it's crowd work is live and it's it's being spontaneously created the upside in that is the audience their adrenaline goes up their sense of holy shit there's no safety net here you know a lot of people don't like this is something i've learned over the years a lot of people don't like going to comedy shows because they are worried or they're cringing about the comic bombing those audiences are not black (laughs) black audiences don't give a fuck they're just move along get off stage it's more like white audience like oh it's just like i can't stand to see him bombing black crowd like get the fuck off the stage immediately you're wasting my time so some people don't like going to shows because because that can happen when you're sitting in a crowd and something spontaneous happens it's just like any other spontaneous interaction on a subway train or uh you know at a baseball game where something happened where you know some fans get into it or something it's live and it has because it's live and i think because the outcome has not been determined there's more at stake than if i'm just telling you a joke so that's what I love. And, and so then when it goes right, crowd work that is, when it goes right and you can get into a pocket, so to speak, and you have a narrative and this truth you've created in the room, it doesn't have to be the gospel truth. It just has to be close enough because then the rest of the crowd will fucking crack up that you're saying that guy, you know, looks like uh, he sent back a steak on an airplane. And I don't even know what that means, but some people look like that. <laughs> you know, uh, please, uh, he sends back a steak on an airplane. Like that that level of, it doesn't have to be spot on. But if you start doing crowd work and and you're patient and you don't force it, and that's why going back to the, the, the pyramid of crowd work, I guess, I'm not talking about just jumping in. Hello, uh, good evening. What do you do for work? Where are you from? what's your religion you know like okay all of a sudden i can talk about childhood you know you should have a childhood joke i can talk about you know race and religion i can talk about and you're off to the races for two hours my (laughs) all right so establishing how i feel about crowd work 
my philosophy of it, my attraction to it. Not so. I, I would love to do a show like Ian Bag that is 100% crowd work. But I would like to do it as organically as possible without saying, what do you do for work? But I do, or like, what I'd like to do is like, let's solve the world's problems. What makes you mad? What are you, what are you pissed off about today? And now let's go with that. And the last time I did it, I was like, all right, so what are you pissed off at? And then that guy yelled out, let's go, Brandon. Which brings me full circle to the reason I started talking about crowd work in the first place. I posted this six-minute TikTok video of me doing organic crowd work. In that, and you can find it where? On TikTok, because <laughs> that's, that's where I can post a six-minute video. I can't do that on Instagram. So I posted this video, and it's organic in that I'm telling a joke, and the guy's like mumbling. He's three, three, two, three rows back in the club, and he's feverishly pulling on his beard and staring very intently at me. And as a comic, there are times where you don't want to indulge the audience. Because a lot of because you can say what'd you say and then it derails your bit it derails your set and and all of that and it's not worth doing, you know sometimes you'll hear people yell out as you're talking through the setup of a joke, and your instinct might be to address that, but a lot of times it's best if you just don't pay it off and you keep working through to get to your what you want to do and then the fucking knucklehead will fall in line because ultimately, you wrote the goddamn jokes you probably have something to say. You want to say him. You don't want to spend your whole time fucking around with uh, some nitwit. But there are times where you just have to go into the crowd. And this guy was feverishly pulling his beard and staring at me as I'm like trailing off on a tag of a joke. And I just stop and said, uh, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on here? <coughs> Excuse me. And if you want to see what happens... You can just go watch the crowd work because I, I don't want to ruin it for you. But it's it's uh, the late my latest on TikTok. But the reason I started talking about that is because as soon not as soon, um, I posted it, and you know I think before I started recording the podcast it was close to like maybe twelve hundred views, which isn't bad, and a few comments about um, you know, you're killing me, or this is super funny, or some shit like that, I love this, and then one guy, as they always seem to do, and maybe it's a bot, maybe it's the Russians, or the Chinese, who are TikTok, so fuck TikTok, fuck China, you know, fuck the concentration camps that are, you know, keeping the Uyghurs, but, you know, who are we to say we're better than you, China? We, 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 who's more anti-woman? China or the United States? Well, China. <laughs> because they literally hide girls when they're born or throw them away. But you know what? We make them be born. Which is creepier. Which is creepier. Holding a gun to a woman's uterus and saying, that thing comes out right now. Or bringing it out and then throwing it in a river. I don't know. Anyway, and this is not supposed to be. And why have you heard that weave in a couple times? Because... My wife uh, looked at me, not as if I were responsible, but, you know, 
pretty despondent over the report that came out this evening that the Supreme Court is going to overturn Roe versus Wade. So if you are in favor of not giving people choices to do what they want to do with their bodies because you uh, believe some fucking fantastical thing, it's a big day for you. If you are trying to move forward out of, you know, the 1500s, then it, it's a shitty time. Anyway, that's why it's come up a couple times. But China or TikTok or the Russians or just some trolls, they always leave these uh, Trump, pro-Trump comments. This guy left a comment on my six-minute crowd work TikTok, which I guarantee you he did not watch. And his comment says, Preach, in all caps, American flag, Trump 2024, uh, purple devil emoji, and then some yellow smiley-esque emoji that I can't really make sense of. Because my eyes do not work as well as as well as his little troll eyes work. <laughs> Sorry, I just hit the hit the mic. Look, you guys love Trump. Okay, that's great. You are you can't get me. I I'm I'm troll proof. You can get me ultimately by fucking sticking a camera in my face 12,000 times in a comedy show. It turns out I do have a limit. As you know what, that reminds me 15 left a comment about that. Let me find that and read it for you. Well, this is unfortunate because the podcast, as you're listening to it, is in its 26th minute. But I had recorded, or I thought I had recorded, 39 minutes of it. Meaning that I thought I was going to go for about another 6 or so, not another 20 when I pause to find 15's review that he left, I must have, I don't know, not restarted the po- restarted the recording. Anyway, I fucked it up, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to go the full 45 because I had, I'm going to sneeze, so I'm going to pause. <laughs> As you can imagine, I was about to say I was about to sneeze, and I did three powerful ones. I don't know what I did. I stopped, and so... Let me tell you what happened in the podcast without actually doing what happened in the podcast. We're talking about a difference of 14 minutes, and I can't stick it out that long. I could, but it's already almost midnight on Monday night, and I was trying to get into my bed by 12.30 so I get a good night's sleep or at least hit the mic uh, again and knock it and make a bunch of noise. Anyway. 15 left a very nice review where I mentioned that uh, the way you can, I guess, effectively troll me, because you can't troll me in comments. What you can do is jam a camera in my face over and over and over again at a comedy show like I talked about a couple weeks ago. And so 15's review said as much. It said, uh, I'm I'm not going to go over and get it because I don't want to screw up the recording again. But it said something like, don't take pictures of Mr. Host. That's not your job. Uh, what you're supposed to do is leave a five-star review. And then 15, he's so sweet, said at the end, Mr. I ho- Mr. Host, I hope things are well with your family. I hope your family is well. And 15, I feel the same about you and yours. And 
thank you for inquiring about mine. And so as I was responding to 15s, and we're talking about the missing 13 minutes of this podcast, what I was riffing on was, I think things are well with my family, 15, because I find that I'm not talking about them that much on the podcast. And I think things are going well. They're certainly better than the nightmarish trip to uh, Florida the first time. And I owe it all, to be honest with you, if I can, you know, uh, share a little bit of, uh, you know, I owe it all to myself. (laughs) Because I've been much more self-aware and intentional just by thinking about what do I want to do. I want to be the best dad I can be for my daughter. I want to be the best husband I can be for my wife. No, my my wife has been a model and it's not like things were bad or rocky, but just like, you know, I'm I'm trying every day to be a ba- a better dad and 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 I think I'm I'm think I'm succeeding. Not like, a, you know, I'm not a fucking Herculean effort. Don't get me wrong. I just feel like as I go, you know, I'm the dad. I have a lot of sway. I have a lot of fucking pull around here. <laughs> it's amazing. I'll see stories on TV about people like, oh, and then my dad died. And, and it was such a big deal. Like, I'm really starting to appreciate I'm a big deal to this girl. Anyway. Thank you for asking, 15. And so then I just kind of riffed on that. I think things are going are well in my family because I haven't found myself talking about it on the podcast. Um, so I talked about that. I talked a little bit. This is a missing 13. I talked about the, the inability of you to troll me online. And that's not a fucking challenge either, you assholes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I, I'm not going to respond. You're a, a kid playing on TikTok. And if you want to just... It's so great, dude. We get it. You love an old man. I know it's not the old man that you love. It's you love the impact he has on hating everybody who is different than you. I, I, didn't, I didn't even... I get it. I understand why you love the guy. He he makes things easy for you. It, is that is that what it is? He makes it easy. You don't have to embrace complexity. You don't have to have humility. You can just say, fuck it. And you know what? That's kind of the American way, dude. So I'm not knocking you. But I'm also not going to dig into, uh, you know, having comment battles. What I'm going to do to make you feel as generic and irrelevant as possible is I'm going to respond to you the way I do everyone else, with the prayer hands. Thank you so much for leaving your goddamn comment. You can have your flag and your Trump bullshit, all that. So I talked about that. I talked about cameras being invasive on me, and I think the reason I, I, I empathize a little bit, that I talk about, I don't think I even talked about, no, I didn't. I talked about a comic who, and he may listen to the podcast, so if you do, dude, I really appreciate it, and we're good friends. But a couple times he's tried to ga- gaslight me just a little bit by saying, oh, so-and-so said you're, you know, um, sexist or whatever. Well, yeah, I like sex. Is that what sexism is? I I have a healthy. I'm like Wilt Chamberlain. I have a healthy appetite for sex. <laughs> is that what being sexist is? He's gaslighted me a couple times about being sexist, or or not from him. It's that old uh, you know reporter reporter way of saying like 
you know, uh, people have been saying this about you. Do you have any response? Like, well, are you saying them? No, I'm not. Well, then shut the fuck up. You know, like, who are these people? Anyway, he, I was, this is just, again, recapping the 13 minutes. Uh, it's the second time he's relayed to me that he was defending me against whim, uh, a whim, a woman, a women. What are they called? Broads. <laughs> Tits. T- uh, party favors, I think is what I'd called them. I heard a southern dude once say, and I'm I'm from the West Coast, so, you know, where I grew up, women, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Well, whatever. Women are the same everywhere. They talk a lot. All right, so this guy once said to me, like, yeah, man, I didn't know if she was going to, she was going to get the baby weight off or not, but, you know, just a few weeks she was tits on a stick. And I didn't speak South really well at the time, so I was like, did he just say, and I didn't I didn't say it out loud, but I just envisioned tits on a stick. And I was like, okay, I know, I know exactly. That's, he painted a picture. Anyway, the comic, he's twice now said that he's he's defended my honor against a female comic. And it might be the same female comic in his story or the same couple of female comics who uh, regard me as sexist. And uh, the other night he told it to me. And I, I, I couldn't even, I didn't even respond. First time I was like, really? Somebody said that about me? Was she ugly? <laughs> I uh I didn't the first time I was curious like really that's something but then I was like maybe he's kind of gaslighting me just a little bit you know comics do that uh, the other night he said it and I just kind of moved on <laughs> didn't didn't address it so I talked about that I talked about I know I also the the thing about the camera made me empathize being videoed against my will made me <laughs> empathize more with women because this guy who was sticking the camera in my face at the club a few weeks ago. It, it was so entitled, like he could, cl- he, he could claim my space. And I know that there have been poems and, you know, thought pieces written about how a photo can rob someone's soul and all that shit. That's not what I'm talking about. I just mean the invasiveness and the uh, entitlement to think you can just do that. You can just take a piece of me without my consent, quite frankly, because he never asked for my fucking consent. Is it the same as what women go through on a day-to-day basis? No, not at all. But what I talked about in the missing 13 minutes is the idea that uh, you know someone can claim something of yours, your your physical presence, with without uh, you know just thinking they can do that. So I think that covers more or less what happened to the missing 13 minutes. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, and then after that, I did the Limerick lineup, which it looks like now I'm only 10 minutes away from 45 minutes. So I'm really soldiering. You know what I'm doing? I'm just, I'm being a goddamn pro. You know, you're going to, you're expecting to get 45 minutes. I want to give you 45 minutes. If that means in reality, I will have been sitting in my basement chair, which I finally moved away from the janky heater back into my old comfortable creaky chair and the pilot light is off on the heater it's may 3rd may 2nd may 3rd the pilot light is off on the heater even though the summer ac is going to freeze this lower floor out 
it's off. So there's no more donk noises uh, going to be coming out of the heater. What I did to conclude that missing uh, time on the podcast was I I did a Limerick lineup. And now I'm not going to do it just out of spite. Here's the Limerick lineup. It's starting off, it's Willie B. Willie B, who is from Memphis, Tennessee, and lives now here in Atlanta. I've done shows with Willie all over the place. I love him. He's a sweetheart. And then I told a story about him getting racially profiled at the punchline, not by the bookers, <laughs> not by Marcy, <laughs> but by a security guard in the parking lot. Uh, I told that story. You missed a lot on those, those 13 missing minutes. What will have happened? Who will have those tapes in the vault? Anyway, uh, Willie approached me in the parking lot, and I saw him coming up to me. I was just sort of staring off into space. And then I might have talked a little shit about the punchline, actually. Uh, you know, just in jest. And then right as Willie came up to me, a security guard intervened and said, excuse me, is everything okay? What's going on? As if Willie were going to mug me. And I don't have to tell you, because I told you his name's Willie B, and he's from Memphis, that he is a black dude. But he's also like 5'6 or 5'7. And what was most offensive about that security guard stopping him is that he thought Willie, it was so apparent to him that Willie B could whoop my ass. Like he looked over, he's like, oh my God, that guy who's 5'10, 170 is going to get throttled by Willie B. You know? And Willie B might be able to whoop my ass. I don't know that, but I don't, I don't, I don't know that it's certain, and I'm kind of offended that the security guard seemed to think that. And I have to ask Willie tonight at Limerick. I'm pretty sure the security guard was black. So anyway, that matters. It matters because it's the system. It's the institution. It's the, it's the representation of a certain type of face when you expect to see. Anyway, that's a lot going on. Willie B is starting the show. He's going to be followed by J.C. Smith. A very new comic who I saw rip lightning around one time. I was like, you know what? Fucking let's go, dude. Let's do the main show. Have a good time. Knock yourself out. And rip and do your thing. Followed, so it's Willie B, J.C. Smith. J.C. Smith is going to be followed by Bella Spinelli making her Limerick debut. Thrilled about that. And I have a great TikTok clip that I'm going to post of Bella Spinelli and me at the Laughing Skull Lounge. And I'll post that. I'm going to post it tonight. It's almost, I said it's almost midnight, Jesus Christ. I still wanted to wrap. What I wanted to do on, when I got to the 38th minute and I realized somehow that it was not, what I did at the 38th minute is I paused, went and took a pee, came back, and then it was back at minute 25. I was very confused. But I wanted to use that final seven minutes to talk about Ellen C and the email she sent responding to my lung. Fucking apologies, everyone. Analysis of what happened in her childhood. Just because we're curious, talking about religion and, and uh, you know, her parents were cool until they weren't. <laughs> anyway, we'll see if I can do that in just a few minutes. Willie B., J.C. Smith, Bella Spinelli, Allie Edge is next. She's a Limerick regular. She's a Limerick favorite. 
She has a great new bit that has teeth in it and is, and is most of all, it's funny, but it's true. It's deep. It takes a swing. It's not, it, it's like a really good bit. You know, it's got some teeth to it. Followed by the Limerick debut of Connor Lyons. He's going to smash, I know. And then closing out, one of my favorite comics in the city. I don't say that about all of them, do I? Because they're not. Uh, is Zayn Sharif. I like everything about the way Zayn does comedy. I like everything about it. I love his values. I love the expression of them. I love his commitment. I love his hustle. I love his joke writing. I love his shit talking. I love his ambition. All of it. So anyway, that's Limerick. Free comedy show, Virginia Highland. 9 p.m. it starts if you're a comic who wants to do a lightning round. Show up at 10.30 for that. Look at that. Recaptured 15 more minutes. My, is that right? 15 more minutes? So 38? So, all right. Now I, I'm hesitant to try to find what Ellen C. communicated via email. So I'll try to just do it from memory, to be honest with you, because I don't want to fuck up the recording. Is this a problem that Mark Marin has? Is this a problem that The Daily has? They don't want to look at their phone to see the email because they will risk exploding the recording? No. But am I recording on an iPhone 5? Maybe. I don't know. You know what? I say maybe because I don't know the number. And of course this is not recorded on an iPhone. This is... As everyone said when I started the podcast, the most important thing is to buy expensive microphones. So that's what I did, right? And that's how we're recording it today, right? Yes. And that's why it sounds so good. Ellen C., you'll recall from the last couple of podcasts, mentioned she was... She experienced religion growing up, but only at the start of like her 13th year. <laughs> her parents were ragers. They partied all the time, and they had some really fucking sketchy people in their house, like jugglers. They had Russian oligarchs. They had the worst of the worst. They had Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and jugglers. Can you imagine? What a... You know, in that group, who would you hang out with for F. Mary Kill? Jugglers, Elon Musk, or Jeff Bezos? It's easy. You marry the jugglers. And you kill, and I don't know, I don't know what you do with the other two. So she grew up in a religion, her parents converted when she was 13. And I read her a bit of her letter, and, what I, and when they converted to the age of, so they were partiers who converted around the time she was 13. And what I, I want to say, I concluded, I thought about when discussing, when, when sort of riffing on her letter was ultimately her parents became so hardcore religious to protect her from themselves. They needed that structure and discipline. And if you're like, dude, you're fucking talking about someone's parents who isn't just a variable, but somebody who actually writes into the podcast. I know. I felt like I was over my skis a little bit. She wrote in and was like, here's what I think happened. And, I, and you know, I was like, all right, here's what I think happened. But anyway, it was very nice because she came back and said, she thinks I might have been pretty close to on point. And something else. And I will circle back on the next podcast with 
I would promise I will do devote because I know you're invested now. I will devote a full ten minutes to LNC and the and her ensuing emails, sort of adding context. But the important questions that I asked, and the important questions that you might be interested in, that I asked last time were: Have you ever circled back with your parents to discuss their transition? And she sent me an email this week to say, no, she hadn't, and uh, she never would because they are stronger and more firm in their beliefs than ever. And I'm I'm paraphrasing and not doing justice to her remarks, but I'm also now 19 minutes, Pat? No, how many minutes? I don't fucking know. I'm in extra time right now, okay? So I hope you appreciate that. I will circle back, update you on what LNC and her parents experienced. What what that was. I'll give you not what not what they experienced. I'll give you a little more color and flavor around some of the things that I was suspecting or asking about, and she confirmed more or less for me. I I don't want to leave you hanging. But at the same time, I also want to wrap up because I want to go see if I have that video clip of Bella Spinelli. And then I also want to go to bed because my toddler, and this is for you, 15, last night she got up at 1 a.m. I, my eyes had barely closed. And she got up at 1 a.m. and she dun, 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 went to her little toilet, took a pee, threw it into the, her little toilet. She dumps into the big toilet flush the toilet, drags the step stool over the sink, climbs up, and we can hear this, and it's just so adorable, climbs up to the sink, turns the water on at a magnitude of five million. It's like, psh, to wash her hands, which are the size of like, you know, uh, her, her hand is like the size of, I don't know what to tell you, the lens on your sunglasses. That's the size of one of her hands. And she probably is in there soaping at 1 a.m., soaping her hands relentlessly, washing her hands. The water went up. Six times. <laughs> we hear her climb off the step stool, go over, grab the towel, pull it off the rack, hear the rack spin because we know the towel is going to be hitting the ground, dry off her hands. And then she goes back into her room, which we've sort of coached and encouraged her to do. She goes back into her room. At like 1.15, I get up, and she's got the light on in there. And I go in, and she's standing there in her underwear. And I said, what's going on? She said, I'm putting on daytime clothes. And I said, do you want any help or anything? And I, I didn't know if she was uh, distressed or upset or sleepwalking. So I was like, do you want a hug? She's like, I'm okay. Like, all right. Like, do you want help? She's like, no, thank you. I said, all right, you're going to go back to bed? She's like, yes. So she was up from like 1 until 1.15, we guess, 1.30. And she's a fucking human being. She's a kid. When I went in there this morning at 7 to check on her because her light was on and the white noise is on, she's in there in her daytime clothes, sleeping with this light overhead. And she has a bottle of water. So she got up, peed, washed her hands, said the 
full thing in the bathroom and then went into the kitchen, got some water, took the water bottle back into bed, fell asleep with a light shining, beaming down on her as if she were... And she's, you know what she's doing? She's preparing to be a drunk sorority girl who can sleep in adverse circumstances, like sun beaming through the window when you're living in an apartment. Anyway, she was, uh, she was sleeping there in her daytime clothes. <laughs> so I want to wrap this up. I will, I will circle back with you and LNC in a couple of days. In the meantime, I hope you have a great week. And please come to Limerick. You know, you know where I'll be. I'll be at Limerick tonight. I'll be at Laughing Skull tomorrow. And I hope to see you.